Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Talking about the stories through the book of Acts, and uh, we launched out a couple weeks ago. Last time we were together, we were in part number four. This is part number five, and we're going to be in Acts chapter four. In fact, if you want to find Acts chapter five, just back up two verses. We're going to start out, and the title of this specific message today is Sons of Our Father. Acts chapter four, we're going to be in verse number 36 and read through verse number 37, talking about sons of our father, and then we'll launch into chapter five. It says, and Joseph who is also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite from the country of Cyprus, having land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. What a man this must have been for the apostles to give him a nickname, son of encouragement. He's probably one of those guys that you just want to be around. Maybe you know someone like that. Maybe you're that person, right, that, that people are just attracted to. You know, there are people that I can think of in my life and people that I've worked with over the years, people that I've been in school with when I was younger that I just like the person. You know what I mean? It's just like anytime you got around them, you just wanted to be with them. They encouraged you. They loved on you. They were just faithful or maybe they just always had a smile. They always had a good thing to say. I believe that Barnabas was one of those type of guys. People just got around him and just got encouraged. He was just one of those guys that went out of his way to do good. And this guy had something on his heart. Probably God laid it on his heart. Hey, you got a piece of property. What do you want to do with that? He said, you know what? I'm going to sell that piece of property. And I'm just going to bring the money to the church. They're doing a lot of good works. They're helping people out, giving to everybody that's in need. They could use this. It's just a vacant piece of land, right? He could have developed it, could have done something with it, could have sold it and kept the money for himself. And yet he decided, you know what? I'm going to sell it. And, and, and two little verses about this guy, right? Here's Barnabas, son of encouragement, comes, and what does he do? He takes the money from the sale of the piece of property, and he lays it at the apostles' feet. This is whatever you guys want to do. Go for it. Go and do what you want to do. Chapter 5 of the book of Acts, verse number 1, starting out, says, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. Verse 2, And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. So Ananias may have been one of those guys that saw someone else getting attaboys and pats on the back and thought, man, I, I got a piece of property. I could sell it and give all the money, but you know what? That's a lot of money to give. Ooh, I don't know if I can give that much. I'll give more than Barnabas would, right? And that's kind of the, the fleshly part of it. Maybe he was thinking, man, I'll give more than Barnabas gave, and that way they'll give me an attaboy, a pat on the back. But you know what? I'm going to keep the rest of the money for myself. We, we need to eat. You know, we need to live. I got my retirement. I need that nest egg, Right? And so he decides he's going to do that, and his wife, him and his wife conspire together that they're going to give a portion but not give the whole thing. They're going to appear to be something that they're not. We know that as hypocrisy, don't we? Look at what it goes on in verse number three. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Now, oftentimes we get hung up on this and we say, well, what's wrong with holding back a part of the proceeds. Can I tell you this? Nothing. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with having a piece of property. Nothing wrong with being prosperous. Nothing wrong with selling a piece of property and having that money in your bank account. God has no problems with any of those things. Lest we think that God is hung up on wealth, just take a look at how wealthy Abraham was, all right? 300 servants born in his own house. That guy had game. He was rolling deep, right? He had so many herds and flocks that him and his nephew couldn't even stay on the same plot of land. They had to divide up. This guy was what we would call filthy, stinking rich in our day and age, right? And yet, so here's this man, and he sells a piece of property, and he holds back part of the land. And we think that because Peter said, 
Why'd you hold something back? We think that that was the sin. That was not the sin. Look at what it goes on in the next verse to say. Verse 4, while it remained, was it not your own? And after it sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. See, the sin of Ananias and Sapphira was that they conspired to lie about it. If they would have came and if they would have said, hey, we sold a piece of property. We're giving you guys two-thirds. We're going to hold on to one-third for our retirement. They would have said, awesome. God bless you. That is wonderful. Thank you for that gift. This is going to help a lot of people. And we know that your retirement's going to be blessed too. But that's not what happened. What happened was they said, hey, Barnabas sold a piece of property. Man, we need to sell some property and we, we can give to the church. That's a good thing to do. But you know what? I don't want to give all of it. And so let's hold back part of the pro- proceeds and, and, and let's not tell them, okay? So if they ask you about it, this is how much the price was. And they come and they lay it at the apostles' feet. Peter confronts them on it, led by the Holy Spirit. And look at what he says. He says, you've not lied to men, but to God. Verse 5, then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. Now, many times we read this story in the book of Acts, we have a problem because this does not look like the God that we know in the New Testament. Many times we think that God of Old Testament would have been this God, right? That's the angry God, the the smiting God. That's the God who was wiping out Israel and Moses had to hold him back. You know, we think of, of God of the Old Testament as that God. But this New Testament God, he's loving, right? He went to the cross. He's, he's very generous and very gracious. He would never kill anyone, right? And yet Ananias fell down dead at the apostles' feet. But can I submit something to your thinking? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And also, can I submit something else to your thinking? In verse number five, it never says God killed him. It says he fell down dead at the apostles' feet. See, Barnabas was a son of encouragement, right? You know that God is the God of all encouragement. That means that Barnabas was a son of his father, Father God. But Ananias was operating in a lie. If you read on in the verse, and I would encourage you to read on, his wife Sapphira comes in, and Peter asks her, is this how much you sold the property for? And she says, yeah, that's how much. And he says, why have you conspired together this thing? You've not lied to men but to God, and the feet of the young men who carried your husband out are here to carry you out also. They're at the door, and she falls down dead before him as well. See, God wasn't killing people. He wasn't just like, oh, no, you're wrong. You're dead. That's not God. It was the fact that they operated in a satanic principle of lies. And the Bible tells us that the devil is the father of all lies. And when you get yourself out from underneath the covering of your father God and you start to operate in satanic principles, you open yourself up to satanic attack. That's what killed them, guys. One more thought I was just thinking about this, and I'll submit this to your thinking. You can believe what you want to believe, but I was thinking about it, and Ananias and Sapphira were a part of the church, right? Breaking bread from home to home. And that breaking bread would have been part of the Lord's Supper, the communion table that we all partake of. And we've taught you very well in this church that when we receive communion, that we need to rightly discern the Lord's body because we don't. Many of you are weak. Many of you are sick, and some of you sleep or die. Could it be that Ananias and Sapphira, receiving communion with a lie conceived in their heart, were not rightly discerning the Lord's body, and because they were not doing that, they fell down dead at the disciples' feet? I'll just submit that to your thinking. You can believe what you want to believe about that. But in our lives, whose son or daughter we are will be seen 
in some areas of our life? Are we going to be the sons of encouragement, the sons of our Father God, the God of all encouragement, or will we operate as sons of the flesh, sons of our Father the devil, according to the natural things, live a lie? See, all of us need a heavenly Father. All of us need someone to come and to share with us and to grow us up into the image of his Son, Jesus Christ. We all need that. And whose sons or daughters we are can be seen in some areas of our life. Now, I'm going to put up on the overheads whose son we are can be seen. So, ladies, I apologize because you're a daughter of God. But, you know, the Bible does say that all of us are sons of God by faith in Jesus Christ. So, ladies, you're a son. Oh, you don't like that? Well, how do you think we feel about being the bride of Christ? Okay, so we're all dealing with something in this room, all right? So, whose son or daughter we are can be seen in some areas of our life. First one is this, in our communication. In our communication. Anybody of you guys have a dad that told dad jokes, right? I know I, I've told some dad jokes. My dads just have a special way of communicating, don't we? You know, it, it's like uh, my, my, my dad, you know, I used to tell him, dad, it hurts when I do this. He'd say, then don't do that. Maybe you had a dad that you say, dad, did you get a haircut? And he says, no, I got them all cut. Dad, I'm hungry. Hi, hungry. Nice to meet you. Come on, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Dads have a special way of communicating. But don't we need a dad in our life? Don't we need someone to tell us that money doesn't grow on trees? Don't we need someone to get in our face and say, if everybody else was jumping off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? We need a reality check in our lives from time to time. We need that dad communication. And what we communicate is vitally important to show whose son or daughter we are. You know, one of the best legacies that my dad left me was that he quietly went about doing good and he let his life speak. Last weekend, we had his memorial service and I didn't know some things about my dad before he died because my dad wasn't the type to just broadcast what he was doing. Hey, I'm going to go share Jesus with this guy over here, you know? Wish me luck. No, he just went and shared Jesus. And then afterwards, he came back and he wouldn't tell you what he was doing. You know, that was just my dad. His life verse was Matthew chapter 6, verse number 3. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. He lived his life by this principle. And he just lived life loud. He just went out. He'd wake up 2 a.m., be here by 2.30 a.m., open up the food distribution center, making breakfast for the volunteers. He did that the day he passed. He would help people with their computers. That was just the type of guy he did, going about doing good works, but not blabbing about it, not telling everybody, not broadcasting, hey, hashtag volunteering again, none of that stuff. He just went out and did it. And we have so many people these days that are labeling themselves and then living a different life, living a lie and showing whose father they are. Guys, you don't need to label yourself. You don't need to broadcast it. Why not just live the truth of God's word and be a son or a daughter of encouragement and just go out and do what God has called you to do? Notice Ananias and Sapphira, there's all these verses about them. Two little verses about Barnabas. Why? Because Barnabas' life spoke for itself. He just went and did the good deeds, laid the money at the apostles' feet, and went about doing good things. Yet Ananias and Sapphira, we had to take some time with his problem children in the word of God. Why? Because they were living a lie. They were living hypocrisy. We, as the children of God, simply need to live a life that communicates whose sons and whose daughters we are. John chapter 13, verse number 35, Jesus said this, By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Don't we need to live a life that communicates the love of God? to a lost and dying world around us these days. 
And now more than ever, it's so important that we live a life as sons and daughters of God, living a life of love. Second thing is this, whose son or daughter we are can be seen not only in our communication, but secondly, it can be seen in our character. In one of Dr. James Dobson's 2008 newsletters, he writes, some years ago, executives of a greeting card company decided to do something special for Mother's Day. They set up a table in a federal prison, inviting inmates to send a free card to their mom. The lines were so long that they had to make another trip to get more cards. Due to the success of that event, they decided to do the same thing on Father's Day. But this time, not one prisoner felt the need to send a card to his dad. In fact, when asked about it, many had no idea who their fathers were. It's really sad, isn't it? I find that a sobering illustration of the importance of a dad and his blessing to his children. See, we see the character of God in Barnabas' generosity, his sacrifice, his love, and his encouragement. All these things show the character of God through his life. And if you'll turn through the book of Acts, past the book of Romans, into 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, I want to read a section of Scripture that the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church. Past Acts, past Romans, into 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. We're going to take a look at verse number 14, down through verse number 17. Look at what it says together with me. It says, for this reason I've sent, I'm sorry, verse 14. I do not write these things to you to shame you. you know, sometimes you go to church, you wonder, why did pastor have to take me out behind the woodshed this morning? Man, he just gave me a whooping, right? Listen, it's not about making you feel bad about yourself. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is not to shame you, it's to warn you. It's to make you a better person. It's dad getting in your face. Are you listening today? Look at what he says. But as my beloved children, I warn you, verse 15, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, and don't we have a whole lot of instructors? A whole lot of people want to tell you what to do and how to do it these days, don't they? I mean, I, I can't go on Instagram or on Twitter or anything without somebody telling. I was walking in line one day with my wife, and she thought I was all up at arms about something. I said, every T-shirt that I look at is telling me what to do. Be faithful. Be strong. Be encouraged. Be happy. All this kind of I said, can we just get over this stuff? Everybody got to tell me what to do on their T-shirt? You know, we got bumper sticker philosophy and all this kind of stuff. You watch the news and people are telling you how to live life and all of this stuff. You got 10,000 instructors in Christ. I can't tell you how many people have sent me YouTube videos. Hey, this guy would be great for the, for the church, this or that. We protect this pulpit. We don't just put anybody up here. Why? Because though you may have 10,000 instructors in Christ. You might have tens of thousands of YouTube videos and Facebook posts and televangelists and all those things. Look at this. Yet, you do not have many fathers. There is a difference between a teacher and a father. A father may teach you something, but he's going to love you through it, and he wants the best for your life. A teacher, their job is just to teach and get the information to you. Totally different. I've had teachers that have loved me, but they've never loved me like the love that my father had for me. And in the same way, we might have a whole lot of YouTube videos, a whole lot of televangelists, but when you come to the house of God and you realize in this house there are fathers, Pastor Jim, Pastor Joel, Dr. Barron, Larry, when you've got people that actually love you and are invested in your well-being, it makes all the difference. Guys, when you're in the hospital fighting for your life, the televangelist ain't showing up. We are. When you give your money to the televangelist, you might get a free CD or a book or whatever that kind of stuff. But when you give to the house of God, come on. Come on. You're a part of this. You're a part of the family. 
when your marriage is a mess, the YouTube guy ain't coming. You sit down with us, your pastors, your fathers here in the faith. See, they are anointed to preach of God. They can teach the word of God. It's great. It's wonderful. You can learn from them. That's awesome. But we are anointed to be fathers in this house for your life. And we love you. We will parent you. Can I say this? That's why we get all up in your face sometimes. It's because we do love you. We love you with the love of a father. We love you with the love of the father. Come on, somebody. Can you say amen? For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. The rest of the verse says, verse 16, therefore I urge you, imitate me. You ever seen a three-year-old looking at his daddy shaving? Why is he doing that? He's not going to shave, right? But what's he learning? He's learning how to be a man. He's learning by watching. It's vitally important, the character that we have, dads, that we live that character of God in front of our families because they are watching. That's why he says, therefore, I urge you, imitate me. The same person you are in church is the same person you ought to be at home. It's the same person you ought to be at work. It's the same person you ought to be when you're at the beach or when you're on vacation or when you're hanging out with your buds. It's the same person. It's the character of God. Verse 17, for this reason I've sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. See, Paul said, if I can't be there, I'm going to send you somebody who models this. This guy, Timothy. Timothy was so special to the Apostle Paul and very special to God. You say, why was Timothy so special? Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 20 through 22 in the New Living Translation. I'll put it up on the overheads for you. He says, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. That's why we guard this pulpit. There are people who will use this church to get money, to get their name out there, to get your name on their mailing list so that they can hit you up. But see, there are people who we put in this pulpit that genuinely care about you and your life and your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has served with me in preaching the good news. Come on, somebody. Isn't that good to hear? We don't need another teacher. We need fathers. We need fathers to the fatherless. Last one for us today is this. Not only our communication, not only our character, but you will know whose son or daughter you are with your convictions convictions. Beliefs will lead to actions, and wrong thinking leads to wrong actions. This is where the communication and the character is seen, in the actions that spring forth from our convictions. You're going to show who your father is by how you act. My kids were in the first service. In fact, my daughter's in this service right now, and you'll see her shaking her head over here. Oftentimes when we're watching a movie, oftentimes when we're out there in the community, we see something that does not line up with the word of God. I will look at my kids. I'll say, that's not how we act in our house. That's not how we talk. That's, those aren't words we use. Yes, Dad. They know. They know. Why? Because we're going to make sure that our convictions lead our lives. We're going to show who our Father is by how we act. And there's too many Christians living an Ananias and Sapphira life. They will say that they're a Christian. They'll break bread with you. But then when it comes to living the life, there's a lie. 
Can I tell you something? If there's a lie in me, it needs to die. If there's something in me that is hypocrisy, oh, Lord, let that thing fall down at the feet of Jesus Christ. We do not need hypocrisy in the church. We need a church that will stand up and be real. We need a church that will stand up for what they believe. We need a church that the word of God isn't just here, but it's here, and it's working its way out here. Would the real church please stand up? And live a life loud for Jesus Christ. Would the real church start loving people to life? Would the real church go out there and do what the word of God says and not what the world says? Would the real church live a life that communicates clearly the character and the conviction that comes from the word of God? Church, when I look out there and I see the crazy things that are happening by Christians, can I tell you something? That's not how we act in this house. That's not how our family acts because that's not the character and the communication I see from my father. This church is going to live our convictions. This church is going to love the poor. This church is going to be a place that's safe for everybody to come, regardless of your background, your upbringing, your education, your economics, the color of your skin. This is a safe place for everybody. This is a multicultural, multi-generational church. We're going to love you if you're a lesbian. We're going to love you if you're transgender or gay. We will love you while God works on your heart and does what he does. We're going to love you if you're messed up, tore up from the floor up. We're going to love you through your mess because that mess eventually will become your message. That's what Jesus specialized in. Sorry, I'm getting all Pentecostal on y'all. First John chapter 4, verse 20 and 21, New King James Version. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he did not love his brother whom he has seen. How can he love God? whom he has not seen. You can't live a lie. If there's something in you that's a lie, let it die. Let it fall at the feet of Jesus. Verse 21, And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. I was uh, online looking at posts and seeing some things, and Came across one that blessed me. Minnesota Twins Hall of Famer and former Los Angeles Angels baseball player, nine-time Golden Glove Award winner and five-time All-Star and born-again brother in the Lord and guest speaker at one of our men's night out, Tori Hunter, had something to say that I want to share with you guys. Is that okay? Larry, did I do okay with that? All right, Larry gave me all that to say. I hope I did good, Larry. Tori writes, and he says, when I was a young kid, my parents would tell me things like, you're black. You can't ride your bike through that neighborhood. When police pull you over, no sudden moves and keep your hands up. You can't do the things they do. Some people in the world won't like you because of the color of your skin and not because of your heart. They were just telling us what their parents told them. You are black and you can't do what they do should not be in the same sentence. It made me feel somewhat inferior and not acceptable in society sometimes. Well, as I look back on my parenting, 
I said some of the same things to my sons. And he writes, I'm sorry. What I meant to say to my sons was that you are sons of the king. You are more than a conqueror. With Christ, you can do all things. You are mighty. You are powerful. You are strong. You are beautifully and wonderfully made. He continues and he says, this scripture changed my thinking years ago. Romans chapter 12, verse number 2 in the New International Version. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. America, be careful what you teach or tell your kids because it will become their reality. Isn't that good? Wow. I love it. I reached out and I asked Tori if he wanted to say something to you guys today personally. And so he sent this video. Why don't you guys watch the overhead screens for your friend and mine, Tori Hunter. Watch this. What's up, Rock Church? This is Tori Hunter, former Los Angeles Angel. I just want to honor the fathers today. Today is Father's Day. And uh, I know sometimes we don't get the appreciation and the respect that we think we deserve. Uh, but today we're going to demand that respect and we're going to demand that appreciation uh, because it's our day. Finally, we got a day, but I just want to say, man, God called us to be providers and protectors, protect our families from fear, doubt, and worry, and provide our families with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. So thank you guys for always providing and protecting. God bless you guys. Happy Father's Day once again, and enjoy the day. We deserve it. Oh, that's awesome and such a great man. And Tori, if you're watching or if you're listening later on, we love you and thank you so much for pouring into our church and to our lives. Hopefully we'll get you back sometime in the near future. God is good. What are we doing? What are we talking about today? Talking about being sons of our Father. Not living a lie. No, living the life of truth and encouragement that God wants for all of us. And whose son or daughter we are can be seen in, number one, our communication. Number two, our character. And number three, in our convictions as we live out our beliefs from the inside out. Can you just take a moment, bow your heads and close your eyes with me online? Would you guys just take a moment? We're going to pray together. I don't want anyone to get up, no one to leave yet. Church is not done yet. We've got a couple things we want to do before we leave this place. But I always like to ask this question at the end of every church service as we reflect on the word of God for our lives. What is God speaking to you? Maybe God's already spoken to you during the message. You know what he said. Or maybe you've been listening intently and at this moment you're going, God, what is it? Would you just turn that into a prayer? God, what are you speaking to me? If you haven't already, would you just write it down, commit it to a note? I know if I don't write stuff down, I'm going to forget it don't want you to forget. So if God's spoken something to your heart, just put pen to paper, put a note in your phone, your tablet, even online. Take a moment, write it down. If you're here with a faithful friend, maybe a family member, spouse, child, parent, you feel comfortable, would you just share what God spoke to you? Maybe you want to just show them the note. 
Maybe you want to whisper it in their ear, even online in your homes. If you're with your family there, maybe you want to share what God just spoke to you. Online, maybe you feel comfortable typing in the comments, hey, God just spoke this to me. Might be some Barnabas people on there that will say, wow, that's so great. God bless you. What's God speaking to you? Maybe God gave you a goal, something to do. Is there a timeline? Is there a time frame? Maybe it's something you can do today. Maybe it's something over the next year you're going to have to work at. Put a time frame on it. You know, when we don't have goals associated with our dreams, it's just like we're taking a nap. You'll wake up and never do anything about it. But when you start to put your faith in there and you start to put a plan together, now all of a sudden you've got a God dream and you'll get the God vision and the God goal in your life as you work at it. It provides accountability, follow-up. Would you just see yourself by faith grabbing a hold of that goal, that vision, maybe that word of encouragement that God spoke to you, whatever it is. Let's commit it to the Lord right now. Father, we thank you for the word of God that you spoke to our hearts today. Lord, we're grateful, God, that you speak so many things to so many people, that you give us vision and wisdom, direction for our lives. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you would impart not only the word, but with the word, the power to bring it to pass in each and every one of our lives. Thank you for grace being imparted to the hearers today. Father, we love you. Happy Father's Day, God. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.